This is the Emerging Women Podcast, where we become inspired to live and lead from the truth of who we are. We're creating a new paradigm for power that includes the feminine perspective because the world needs it. Hi there, and welcome Carly Hauk to the Emerging Women Podcast, where we help women be seen, be heard, and live and lead from the truth of who they are. Welcome, Carly. How are you? I feel so happy to be here, Chantel. Thank you. I'm a little tired, as we discussed, but you know, this mom has given birth to a book, so that's just the nature of the game. Totally. And um, a very well thought out and powerful book it is. And before we get into that, I want to let our audience know who you are. And I want to just say congratulations to this amazing book. For those who are not aware of Carly and her work, she just wrote a book called Shine, Ignite Your Inner Game to Lead Consciously at Work and in the World. And she has been a leadership consultant in the Bay Area, though she works with companies all over the world. And she is the creator of the Shine Leadership System. She's been doing leadership consultant for decades. And she has a podcast called Shine as well, where she talks about conscious leadership and more of her Shine Leadership System. She's an adjunct teacher at Stanford and the University of California at Berkeley. She teaches at Spirit Rock Meditation Center. She's also an author and a writer for Mindful Magazine and Conscious Company Magazine. And recently, with the launch of her book, she was acknowledged by Kathleen Hogan, Chief People Officer at Microsoft, who shared her work on LinkedIn, which is such a great honor since you don't even quite know her that well. And I just love how much buzz this book shine is getting, Carly. And I'm really excited to dig in. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Did I miss anything in your bio that people need to know about? Well, only that my book was published by the one and only Sounds True. That's all. Oh, yes. <laughs> to my heart, since I was there for 11 years, and my job was to promote books. And so I would have had a field day with this one. Got all the right stuff, including a foreword by Lynn Twist, the author of Soul of Money. And she is just, mm-hmm. I mean, she's a and a force of nature. So having her uh, write this forward is is just really special. So I think what I want to talk about first, just to launch, is allow you to give us the overview of, of what do you mean by shine and why that as the title of the book and why is that your unique special sauce? Because your, your voice is throughout this, throughout the text and sometimes you know, I, I won't say that everything is uniquely and only ours, but there, there is only one Carly Hauk, and right now there's only one Shine book out there. I mean, I don't know if you'll write another of this, but the two are fused. There's you throughout this book. There are your stories, and um, what is it about Shine that is yours uniquely? Mm. Thank you. Well, 
I mean, there's a couple answers to shine. Why that, why that word? That was when I was trying to think of the title for the book, that's what came through. Honestly, that was, that was the download that I got from the divine from Gaia. And it felt like it fit. The subtitle went through a couple iterations. Um, many people have said to me that I shine. I have a brightness. I have a luminosity about me. So that has been reflected to me my whole life. And I feel honored and touched by that reflection. But the, the part of the book that goes to that word, I, I guess there's a couple parts, is that I really feel like in order to bring the greatest potential in ourselves, in our workplaces, in our world, sometimes we have to shine the light on the dark, you know, on the things that are not always so pleasant, on the systems and structures or behaviors, frankly, that need to shift, that need to change. And that requires that we do it with a certain skill, with a certain cultivation um, and ways of being that allow us to do that from a place of love and truth. And so when you, when you look at the arc of the book, and it was, it was very orchestrated on my end of how I presented this material, is that we have some really big problems in our world, right? We, we have climate change, which isn't going anywhere. We've got a lot that we need to shift around our consumption practices, fossil fuel, the way that we've been treating one another in the workplace, you know, we've got systemic racism, the patriarchy, you know, lots of things that need to shift structures and systems that need to be hospiced out, as Lindquist would say. And that requires that we cultivate this different inner game, which I speak to in the book, these qualities on the inside that show up on the outside that support us to create a workplace in a world that works for everyone. And so from the very beginning of the book, I'm shining light on these darker things and then showing a way forward that I hope will get us to where we want to be and where we need to go so that we can create a flourishing workplace and planet. Hmm. And I do agree on the the fact that you do shine. And I love that you're talking about shining on the darkness. And that is evolving, that old culture. Sometimes I feel like just to keep, we, we're going to like hammer the shine metaphor in this podcast. So just <laughs> be ready, be ready, listeners. Um, but I, I almost think of like a candle that right before it goes out, right? It like gets really bright. Do you ever notice that? And it's like its last stand. And maybe that's a hopeful, <laughs> a hopeful look at things. But I, I do feel like there's we're at the very beginning of that shift, where it feels like, oh, my God, is it ever going to shift the, the narcissism, the self absorption, the old models, the top down, the lack of emotional intelligence, all this stuff that you know, the excess individuation and all of that, that was the sort of old model of leadership. It feels like it's on its last stand, but will will not happen without effort, without, without this kind of, you know, like illuminating the issue and then moving through. So, so what is it about shine and your approach? Because I know you work 
um, energetically. I know you're working mindfully with meditation. There's lots of aspects to your approach. That's not just about shining the light on the darkness. There's also, mm-hmm. there's a lot of work involved, you know, in that shift of consciousness. So what is it in terms of the how that mm-hmm. is part of your, your method? Great question. Well, I, I think of this book as a how to be a conscious and inclusive leader. Mm-hmm. And, and a leader being that you don't have to be given that title. You know, we, we can all be leaders. And I feel like actually that that's the call right now. What is that thing that you want to be the change for? What is that thing that you're feeling a fire in your belly about or passionate about, or you recognize this isn't right? I, why are we continuing this just because we've always been doing it? Or do I want to be a leader in this space and to say no and to say, this is a different way. What if we try it like this? That's leadership. And mm-hmm. so I think in order to step into that fully, we have to embody a different mindset, a new operating model that's actually coming from our wholeness. And that's coming from the mind, body, and the heart. And that's what I'm referring to within the book and in my body of work as the inner game. And I feel like, you know, conscious and inclusive leaders have this stronger sense of purpose. They understand leadership is about serving. Um, and they're also really wanting to support more soulfulness, so to speak, you know, it, in organizations. They're, they're not all about like the more is better, faster, because we know that that leads to burnout. But is, is there a more feminine way that's, that's balanced with the masculine? And I know for myself, and we were talking about this, you know, more candidly before, <laughs> before the recording, I, it's something I've really tried to harness. And I, you know, even during this book launch for myself, I, I'm spending a lot of time on technology. It's, it's been a lot in the last couple of months getting ready for the launch and knowing that this, you know, this is the, the long view that I'm in right now. And trying to really prioritize self-care and I ground a lot in the earth and in nature. And when I feel like it's just too much, I honestly just drop to my knees and just give it to the earth. Um, Or I jump around or I, you know, have spontaneous dance breaks. You know, I'm doing a lot of that right now, just, just to balance it, to keep it joyful because it is exciting. You know, it's so exciting that this body of work is now, out there in the world and seeing how people are responding and receiving it. And, you know, and it's also a lot of effort at the same time. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I loved that you pointed out in the early part of the book was um, learning from others. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting in leadership. People are almost again, in the old model, we need to have all the answers or we won't be respected as a leader, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're, what you're saying here, and, and you uh, address it early in the book, where you're, you're saying, you know, learning from others, this is actually the new way and, and leveraging the people around you and not being shy about that. And the more that we do that, the more, I mean, the way that I interpret that is we're going to have more leaders mm-hmm. because we're all going to be growing in leadership together and this 
feeling that we have to have all the answers just feels like, you know, it's you see it in entrepreneurship, you see it, the myth holds women back, it holds diverse candidates back from applying from other, you know, if I don't have all the answers, I'm not even going to try or I'm not even going to apply. So tell us more about that. Of how we're learning from one another and, and leaning on each other. Yeah. And why, why do you even address that in here? Because part of this is how do we as individuals become leaders, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, because some of the complexities that we have in our world, a lot of them, we need everybody, you know, we need, we need everyone, especially when we look at just some of these very large problems that impact everyone. Mm -hmm. I think that requires a much diverse Um, group of people with different thoughts, different experiences, different perspectives, different education and knowledge, where we're really coming together and we're listening and we're learning and we're growing and we're collaborating and innovating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think even in this sort of world of diversity, the Mm -hmm. focus is not on so much as learning from others, but what can you do to help others? What can we do in, you know, to make the system more diverse? But this concept of we, you know, will evolve more deeply by listening to people, of, you know, outside of our own box mm-hmm. is that we have things to learn from that diversity is, you know, obviously it seems obvious, but even in diversity and inclusion, I see a lot of people like there's more of a let's change the diversity in our, in our leadership, but there's not as much emphasis on, well, how will that actually change the way that we do business? Right. People need to be ready for when we expand our, concept of what teams look like and what leadership and upper level and just companies in general, when they become more diverse, not just gender and not just race and everything globally and everything, things are going to change. And to be open about that and to learn from others rather than just to be in our own individual evolutional journey is critical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the reasons that I really focused on nine different leaders throughout the book, you kind of take this journey, really understanding how these nine leaders that are coming from very different lived experiences, they're all in different industries, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, they're, they're living in different parts of the world. How did they cultivate the same kind of inner game and are also, you know, very much committed to people and planet and really using business as a positive platform for change. But I I wanted to showcase how they have been doing that. And some of them, you know, could actually all support one another, right? Like these industries could actually come together in ways where they could all support each other. And in fact, there are a few of the leaders in the book, um, for example, that have like uh, Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce, actually invited Rhea Singal, who's also a leader in the book, to Dreamforce in 2018 to be a speaker so that she could talk about her company in India, which was the first 
compostable table, tableware company in India. And so that was a way he was leveraging himself as a male ally, you know, his social capital, his influence to support her to shine. And so I think there's all these ways that we can be allies together. And, you know, her product, what she's developed has been able to help millions of people. So it's, it's just so interesting how we can really come together. Well, I, I love that because it's, again, you mentioned a more feminine model and just the acknowledgement that we're so interdependent. Again, mm -hmm. moving from the model of independence and over, not that independence is bad, love the independence, <laughs> but moving from that model of exclusively independent or over-privileging independence and starting to recognize the value of interdependence feels like a very feminine model. Yes, it's, it's the we before the me. Mm -hmm. Hello, lovely listeners. I want to pause for a moment here to make sure that you know how you can get even more access to this type of inspiration and support. Emerging Women has its own membership community where you get teachings from incredible female leaders and coaching support directly from me, as well as other brilliant members within the Emerging Women tribe every month. If you are ready to go deeper into your own leadership and emerging journey, head over to emergingwomen.com for a free trial of our membership community. We've truly designed it as a hub for women like you who want to create change in the world. Don't go it alone, sisters. Head over to emergingwomen.com forward slash membership and start your free trial today. Now, let's get back to our conversation. Okay, so sticking with this feminine approach, you mentioned that you bring in the earth a lot. And there's a, a section in your book that you're talking about resilience. And I love this section because you're like, <laughs> use the elements and there's real practices here. Mm -hmm. And tell me why you're pulling in and you, you break it down into earth, air, fire. Tell us more about that. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I studied systems in graduate school and, and I still do. And so what I know about systems is that the individual system of our body has a ripple effect in our workplace, but is also more deeply connected to the earth. So when we think about the human body, we cannot have a flourishing human body if we don't have a flourishing earth body. And I believe like we are just so connected to the earth and we have kind of forgotten that over time. But my hope is that in the midst of this year of being inside a lot in the midst of the pandemic, we were able to take more time to be in nature, to recognize that connection, to really use nature as the refuge that it's always been for us and to want to actually take good care of her because without her thriving, we're not going to thrive. And so I, I try to really keep that as a core theme throughout the book of, you know, the idea that, okay, if, if, if I am a burned out leader, right. And I'm not balanced and whole on the inside, I'm not using certain resources, skills to really lead from a more balanced 
healthy place, that's going to have a ripple effect with my team members, with the cultural culture at work. I'm going to be more reactive, not as responsive, not as skillful. I'm probably going to be more scarcity-based versus leading from love and generosity and abundant mindset. And that's just how our nervous systems work. But if I can come back into the practices I've tried to really resource folks in throughout the book, then I can really lead from that more whole balanced place. And so coming back to the earth elements, you know, I, I think for myself, these are things I've really tried to utilize in my own practice of, you know, earthing and grounding. I was just talking about it. I spend a lot of time in nature. That's, that's where I get a lot of my creativity. It's where I get my nourishment and rejuvenation. I know you're also a big hiker. It's one of the reasons, you know, you live in Boulder and uh, the air component is, is sounding, you know, we hold so much in our physical bodies, so many of our feelings. And so if I'm having a wonderful moment, I want to, I want to sing, I want to go, you know, or release that if I'm, if I'm having a hard moment, maybe that's a time to growl or cry or stump my feet, you know, we, we want to let it express so that we can move through and come back into more alignment, into our strength, into our grace. Mm. I am always so astonished how powerful being in nature is in terms of shifting moods, changing my thoughts, you know, reducing stress, visceral, visceral uh, response. It's so natural. You don't even have to think, you know, just let the trees, the rocks, the water, the air, the wind do its magic. So I really appreciate this. And I think that, especially since we've had this, you know, shift in how we work with COVID, that there is going to be a resurgence of nature and leadership, you know, being using nature as a strategy to be a more effective leader. I think that's going to be even more popular as, as we, you know, kind of get back to quote unquote normal, <laughs> normal times. So I really do appreciate that you're, you're using that. That has been my experience as well. Wonderful. Um, well, and I, I also just wanted to add another thing. I mean, one of the things I think that has also been in, on the rise, even though I don't have statistics to showcase it, is a lot of folks decided to grow gardens in the last year. You know, they, they actually thought, let me, let me actually create a deeper relationship to food. Composting, I think, in some areas went up. And when we think about, again, wanting to regenerate the earth and create these more regenerative systems versus depleting systems and structures, regeneration of the soil is one of the best things that we can do to extract carbon out of the atmosphere and put it back into the soil mm -hmm. through, you know, these, these practices of regenerative farming and composting. And so my, my desire and, and hope is that we continue that even as we try on this new hybrid version of work, that we're still having more time to be close to nature, to have access to her versus being in the office all the time and on planes all the time. That, that's mm -hmm. not the sustainable way in my 
view and in my experience. What do you think about that? Oh man, I have so much to say about this. Okay. So I'm, I'm like, I've, want to say that I'm completely inept, but I have like, I do not have a green thumb. It's probably black or I don't know, yellow and brown and, you know, like an old bruise. I think it doesn't take much. Like we've, oh God, I, I, I we have a garden and it's, you know, it's just always a struggle for me. I, I can't connect to it. And we've never, I, I, I say we, but um, my husband's way more connected, but I don't even have plants. Now, animals and humans, that's one thing, but I've killed like every plant I've had, except for this one. And I started really like I repotted it. And you don't have to be like with the compost and really like make a big commitment to, you know, turning over soil and having that impact to have a shift internally. And my experience with just repotting this plant Hmm. connected me so deeply to soil and made me look at, you know, trees in a different way. And I mean, I've always been a big tree person, but, you know, it just, um, just that small, that small thing of tending to plants opened up my consciousness in such a deep way to this is a, a living thing. Yeah. And that responded. It's not just physical only. There is a consciousness. I don't know what level of consciousness it is, but there is a consciousness. And it really helped me to, you know, I would say reconnect to my my place in the family of things, to quote, you know, uh, Mary Oliver, and that, you know, we're all we're all one. Right. I'm connected to the plant. And I know it sounds so new agey and so like done and done, but just taking care of this plant opened that whole thing up for me and um, made a big shift. And mm-hmm. so that's, you know, you don't have to be out there doing the, you know, the composting in order to have that shift in you and have it reach your leader, your leadership style as a whole person approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Love hearing your experience of that. So one of the things that I love um, is your unabashed um, support of love. And sometimes when I, I read mindfulness and leadership, right, there are words like compassion and appreciation, all that's fabulous. And we just, you know, and we need more of that. But you actually say leading with love. And I'm just curious to see if you go into corporations and you use those words. And I love it. And I think we need more actual love, meaning using that word, because I think it has a a potency that's a little bit different than compassion and care and appreciation. And um, Mm -hmm. so tell me more about that. I feel like love is the greatest energy and frequency that we really can emit in our relating and our responses. And it, it has an impact. I notice for myself when the energy that I'm putting towards myself isn't as loving, you know, the effect of that and also what that looks like on the outside when maybe I'm coming from more scarcity or I'm coming from impatience or frustration But when we lead from love, we often are able to connect better, um, connect to others better, but also connect more to our creativity, to curiosity, towards really having the outcomes that we want to have. And I was 
just holding a panel a few weeks ago. So as part of my virtual book launch, I have these free community events. And one of those events was the important role of men being allies to create inclusion and belonging at work and in the world. And this is a core theme in the book as well. And there were four men that were on this panel. They're all men that are friends and colleagues of mine that are really showing up very strongly as allies. And one of these men, Vince Gugliametti, he's a senior vice president at the company Intel. He's a very strong male ally, but just an incredible human being. And I feel so honored to have him in my friendship circle and also just was so happy to have him on this panel. And one of the things that he said is that he tells his team members that he loves them. Like he literally says love. And he thinks that if you're not telling the people that work for you and your team that you love them, then why would they even really want to be working for you? Why would they want to have your back? Why would they want to continue putting in lots of effort day in and day out if there wasn't that care, that appreciation? And I, I feel like that's spot on. What do you think, Chantel? Oh my God, I love it. I So another word besides love that I love to stretch the definition on is intimacy. And mm. I feel like there is a place for both love and intimacy at work and in your business, whether you're, again, growing a business or or you're in an executive role. And I think that being more overt about those things feels spot on for the future of work. And I, God, I, I remember just being in, you know, in the workplace and really, really loving the people I work with. I mean, you go through so much and it's a different love that you have with your kids, with your inner circle, with your spouse. It's a different love, but it's love nonetheless. And the same with intimacy. That's another word I love to use within, you know, the construct of a larger audience, so to speak. You know, we we think of intimacy as just lovers and and really intimacy is can I be vulnerable and have I been vulnerable? in whether it's a conversation, it can be an exchange at a grocery store, or it can be ongoing over time, you know, like in a work relationship and how much we share with each other is, is an expression of intimacy. So um, I love that you're, that you're bringing this up, that you're being so overt and you've got some great examples in here with the CEO of Rebel. And yeah, so I'm glad that it's, it's an overt part of your program when, you, when you're working with, with people in larger organizations. And I hope that, you know, uh, you reference also Satya Nadella at Microsoft, and he's really done a lot around, you know, the feeling of warmth, let's call it, maybe he's not telling everybody he loves us, but, and showing that that actually can change cultures. So uh, I think you're spot on. And I love that you actually give it so much attention in your book. Mm, Thank you. So we're getting close to the end here. And there's so much more you've, this is really just, your presentation is, is very well researched. I was you know, I loved our conversation in the beginning before we even hit record. I couldn't believe how many references, like there's a strong indexing component to Carly's book here. Mm -hmm. So it's really well-researched and there's science, there's stories. It's, it's way more than, you know, a guidebook on 
leadership. It is, it's really the future of work. Mm-hmm. We just use that term. And I'm glad to be on your train. Um, is there anything else that you want to hit here that we should share with our audience before we move into a wrap? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a component in the book that feels really dear to my heart, um, mm-hmm. speaking of love. And I feel like this book is giving me more of a platform to talk about it. But, you know, in the midst of 2020 and the pandemic, we lost anywhere from about two and a half to three million women from the workforce Mm. um, due to caregiving responsibilities. I think the statistics are still becoming more um, defined, but that's what I've seen so far. And I imagine you're privy to that information too. Right. And so when we think about creating a workplace in a world that works for everyone, where there's more equity, we just took a pretty big slide down from where we were. And, you know, the work that you're doing in the world with power circles and supporting women is so important. But I feel like there is this need and a call to men that still are holding the majority of power and influence in the workplace and in the world to really support women, people of color, um, marginalized groups, LGBTQ+, so that there is a redistribution of power, um, of roles, of opportunity, And so there is a component in the book of men being allies. And I feel like it is the responsibility for men to call out or to call in to challenge other men to be this different version of masculinity and manhood and be willing to hold space and sponsor and mentor. And it is also the responsibility of women to invite men, to ask, to show, to give permission, to acknowledge, to encourage this new version of masculinity and manhood. And Chantelle, I know you have two young men that you are the mother of, but this feels so important right now. And so I I just wanna leave women identifying that are listening that this, this is part of our call as women right now. This is the really beautiful thing about being a woman. We get to say no. We have so much more power, I think, than we realize. And the future really is feminine. And I think our leadership right now and how we show up in the midst of this is vitally important. Totally, 100% in agreement. <laughs> And, you know, that's what, that's, that's the work. Mm-hmm. That's the work. And I love, and I know this story kind of circulates, but Lynn Twist's story of the Native American, it's really a Native American, I, I don't want to say folklore, but um, it, it's a prophecy that, I don't know if you've heard Lynn Twist talk about this, but it's the prophecy of the eagle. And there's a, you know, eagle up in the sky, but it only has one wing extended, and that is the wing of the masculine. And so as a result, that that bird is 
and, and the, the wing of the feminine is tucked in underneath and has not been fully extended. So the bird is continuing to fly, but at this point, it's flying in a circle. And what happens when a bird has one wing, right? It starts spiraling and spiraling down. And as that's the bird of humanity. She calls it the bird of humanity. So in order for humanity to survive, and she tells the story as the Native Americans tell the, tell the story, that wing has to come out from under and fully extend for the bird of humanity to fully soar. And that is the work. And the feminine comes not just in the package of women, it comes in the package of men, and it comes in the package of the SHINE leadership program. Mm. That is where the feminine is being, that's this kind of program that you're talking about is going to allow that wing to fully extend so that we have both the masculine and the feminine flying. <laughs> Soaring and shining. <laughs> <laughs> so lots more can be found on carlyhauk.com and that's c-a-r-l-e-y-h-a-u-c-k.com she's in a string of community events um, and she mentioned this in the podcast where you can actually and we'll share this in the show notes for sure um, jump on some of these free events and hear in more depth from people who are like in the trenches, whether as entrepreneurs or leaders who are, who are using this approach. And, and it's uh, super inspiring. Get on that if you can. Um, yeah, the, the free community events, actually, we have one leader um, on each of the events that actually I talk about in the books. So you can actually engage with them live time. And they're all core aspects of the book. So depending on when this when this inter interview launches, the next one is next week on gender equity in the future of work. And mm -hmm. if you miss that one, it's okay. It's going to be rebroadcast on my podcast. So we'll have three more through the beginning of May. And I'd love to have you. And if you miss them, you'll have an opportunity to get the recording. Thank you so much for sharing that, Chantel. Yes. And who are you interviewing on that? So on that particular one, my friend, Jennifer Brown, who is an award-winning speaker, author. She wrote How to Be an Inclusive Leader. She also has the Will to Change podcast. Um, Rhea Singal, who is one of the leaders in my book, who is the CEO of EcoWare, India's first compostable tableware company. She um, was a really staunch supporter of hiring a lot of low-income women to work for her from the very beginning of her business. And then there is um, Mita Malik, who is head of inclusion at Carta, which is a Bay Area-based fintech company. And she is just a mover and a shaker and amazing. And I'm feeling so excited about this conversation. And yeah. then we have two more events coming. So yeah. Great. wonderful. Oh, so exciting. Okay. Well, Carly, thank you so much. Hang on after this and um, we will say goodbye to our audience right now. Thank you so much, Emerging Women, for tuning in. Take care.